My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. It's an empty road I feel so alone I forgot what I'm fighting for When the weight of the world Keeps you up at night When you're running with no end inside, sight you and You could find with Christ You want to change the world But you don't know where you should start mm -hmm. But you can't give your all Unless you let God inside your heart Good evening, Patriots. And it is the end of Thursday, December 21st in the year 2023. Last little bit ago, we were going to play a piece, which I'm going to play here. Um, we solved the technical problem, I think, hopefully. Um, it was with um, Yuri Bezmanov, which we're going to, we were going to play in the previous hour, but I'm going to go ahead and play it here in just a little bit. And we're going to kind of go over that. And looking at the framework of this type of fight that we're in, but I think the most important thing really to anchor in on, and we just cannot forget the importance of this, is the power of prayer that we're dealing with right now. And it's something that I think we take so much for granted. 
and in the concept of prayer, we are we become so accustomed, unfortunately, to just bad exposure to praying in many ways that prayers become about a very personal issue. We have to pay a bill. We're having a crisis in the family, but we're not looking at prayer as a strategic weapon system that literally can break strongholds and fortresses. And I think it's really important that we do understand that kind of essential, fundamental to biblical warfare overall. And when we do, we start to realize just how profound it is that we have prayer. And I'm really hot on this right now in, in, in just the sense of when we look at this warfare that's before us and we, you run into so many people that are just in this place of saying, like, you know, we can't win this or it's overwhelming or how are we going to possibly win this? And then you go to Gideon. And you look at the reduction of 32,000 down to 300, and you just think about that for a minute, that God literally stripped away everything that was unnecessary until he gets to those of the purest of heart. And with the purest of heart, 300 defeats this massive army, shofars and pots of light. But there's prayer essentially in all of that. I think that's just really where we have to keep our head focused. And And when we do that, we start to all become extremely important elements in this fight to tear down these strongholds and restore a nation. And that's going to be reinforced too. I mentioned this earlier. I read this piece today, which I read every year, but I read it today first on, on Brighty on TV on the show, which is the, the Patton's prayer. And it's a very famous story about Patton having a prayer written for rain. I'm going to read it Sunday night as well, just so you know. And you can, the Brighton show always posts on Saturday if you want to hear it, but I'm going to read it on the Sunday night show, Peace Be Still, and we're going to get into a lot more discussion about that. Now, real quick, just to make mention of one of our great sponsors, which obviously they've been around with us for the whole year, and that's Birch Gold, and they've done a great job with us. And they're really helping you align yourself for some coming crises. There's a lot of chatter right now about you know, the instability of the market, the more people are talking about it. We're heading into the new year. Who knows what they're going to do? And we know that we are dealing with paper currency that has zero value. And that the banks have increasing numbers of control and the banks can, t- and the federal government can harvest out of your account and the banks can take your money. The basic relationship with the bank is when you give them your money, you're actually giving them a loan and they can do with it whatever they want. And when the economy gets bad, and we're seeing it more and more, and there's bank failures and there's other things going on. You need to protect your retirement savings in particular. So that's where Birch Gold comes in. They, they also deal with precious metals on a broad spectrum, but starting there with precious metals in your retirement accounts is one of their fortes. So give them a call. All you have to do is text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That's going to allow you to get a free info packet, review it, read it, and then give them a call see how they can help you. And I think what you'll find is they can help you a whole bunch. They can advise you on how to move an IRA or 401k into a precious metals-backed retirement account. They can help you set up a precious metals retirement account, all sorts of great things. And this is the time to do it, especially with the crises that we're facing with this coming 2024, which is going to be a little bit wild. So again, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. 989898. That's three of, the, three of those pairs, right? Three 9898s. <laughs> and do that and get it done today. You'll be really happy you did. All right. I want to start tonight with just this perspective, which was really, it's just such a good piece. And it is from this former KGB agent. And he was warning America back in 1985 
that we were being subverted by patient Russian tactics. Now, keep in mind, I wouldn't say Russian. I'd say Soviet at the time. And the Soviet tactics were the extension of the deep state. And I'm not saying Russia's not involved in this now, but this is definitely right out of a, a global cabal that was trying to undermine us. So I really think it's important to hear what he's got to say. So let's give it a run, see if we can get it to play this time. Times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do, is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type of, of, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result? The result you can see. Most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind. Even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in 
favor and in the interests of, of, the, uh, of the United States society. And yet these people who've been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening with the Soviet concept, mm -hmm. these are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock, when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, Obviously, they will revolt. They they, they will uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they obviously they will join the links of dissenters, mm -hmm. dissidents. Yes. Uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here, you can you can get. Uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand and uh, it will be greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, Actually, it's overfulfilled because demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his balls, then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically, America is stuck with, with demoralization. And unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, no, normalcy and... and uh, patriotism. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. 
Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with uh, benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether... This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with uh, benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins, never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in the state of war. Undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system, however ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy. Whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking, but every second the disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility. Okay, so what do we do? What is your recommendation to the American people? Well, uh, the... Uh, the um, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is, of course, there must be a very strong national effort to educate people in, in, in the spirit of real patriotism, number one. Number two, to, to explain them the real danger of socialist, communist, whatever, welfare state, big brother government. If people will fail to grasp the impending danger of that development, Nothing ever can help United States. You may kiss goodbye to your freedom, including freedoms to, to homosexuals, to a prison inmate. All this freedom will vanish, evaporate in, in five seconds. So this is kind of a really good laydown of where we are right now. Not kind of, it's like a really solid laydown. Yuri Bezmanov was a former KGB agent, and he later was... He died of some strange thing like cancer or something, which means he was they killed him. But the fact is that when he was mapping out in this interview, which I believe dates back to 1985, 
was a plan, and what his key was was the global communist network. And it wasn't; it didn't come from the Soviet Union. It's part of a global cabal, and that's essentially what he's saying. It's a part of a global global cabal. Your intelligence agencies are all part of the same thing. And so it has been a mutually working effort by CIA, MI5, KGB, these other agencies that all came together to subvert the world into this communist system and break their back and put them into submission. And it is draconian. All you have to look at is the number of people that the Soviet empire lost, which was 40-plus million people from Lenin to to the end of, of that Soviet era. You look at the millions of people that were eradicated in China under Mao. That same model is being rolled out here. And so it really comes down to a simple fact of what are we going to do as a country and as a people to fight back? The, the challenge that we constantly have here is that people are not being equipped in any way, shape, or form to be able to fight this in the United States because why? The churches have been destroyed. The churches have been completely subverted. I want to play this piece for you here, which I think you'll find very interesting. This is on this is Pastor Owens who rebukes the other pastors at this particular conference he's at. I want you to hear this. He's so on point. You don't have preachers in America. All you've got are teachers. This is not a matter of my personal opinion. Here is a long established fact. To teach is to inform. To preach is to move. I know that's not what some of you think. We heard it said this morning that teaching and preaching are the same. That the words are used interchangeably. Well, you may use them interchangeably. And I'm not going to try and correct you. If you want to be dumb, that's your choice. I find people are hungry to be moved by God's word and by God's spirit from where they are to where they belong. And I'm wondering how many preachers here are preaching and not teaching. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not knocking teaching. It is a vital part of the work of ministry. In fact, many of our early New England churches had on staff both a preacher and a teacher. Did it ever occur to you that the way the word speaks of itself is an incredible help in this matter. Let me mention just three. The word is described in the word as a hammer. The word is described in the word as a fire. The word is described in the word as a sword. Is it not reasonable that if I have preached the word, there will be people who are hammered, who, like the hard rock, are smashed to pieces? 
Is it not reasonable to suppose that if I have preached the word, there will be those who will feel pierced by the sword of the Spirit? Is it not reasonable to suppose that there are those who have been cold and without passion who are set on fire for Jesus Christ if I have preached the word? Is it sensible to think that I have preached the word and nobody has been smashed, nobody has been pierced, nobody has been ignited? think it much safer to suppose that when nothing of that sort happens you haven't preached the word i think that's dead on and i think this is where we get into our problem and a lot of what we look at when we hear this first piece by yuri and why it's such an important issue is that the big victory for the global communist network which is we call it now the deep state we call it wef world economic forum we can also refer to it as the the Nazis, which are very similar in all fashion. It's just, a, it, it really isn't, it's a little bit of amorphous in the terms we use. But this global network of dictatorship and tyranny counts on one very particular thing. It counts on secularism it, 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 and atheism. It, it counts on the fact that you don't believe in God. And it's very important to grasp that because the only way that you can succeed and overcome this global network of this global tyranny is if you have greater force than them. And that's the trick. That's, that's their biggest hand trick they've got going. And when they get you to believe that, you lose. Because they always have more force. They always have more resources. They have, always have a bigger gun. They always have a, a, a different technology. They have everybody in line believing that they are superior. And what this is the illusion of is what? They have convinced a large chunk of the world that they are God. Not God's. Not demigods, but God. And this is the lie. And this is why when we talk about where we need to be with the church and where we need to be in the, in the modern church, the reviving of the church, the restoring of the church, where we have to be in our hearts, where we have to be preaching, if you're just staying in the word and boxing yourself in and you're being taught the word and not being pastored to and preached to, if you're not lighting the fire of righteousness that's within the word and implying and reaching for those things that we keep talking about, far beyond just the word, where it takes you into the things like healing the sick and the broken, casting out demons, raising the dead, reaching into the apostolic and the, and the prophetic, going for the greater works. That's where the word lives. That's where Holy Spirit lives. That's when it comes alive. That's when the dead stone walls get blown out, literally like nothing left. That's when the skinny jean pulpit just evaporates. That's when the congregations stand up and raise up and do the hallelujah and they watch miracles happen before them. This is what we're talking about. And this is exactly what this global network of tyrannical leadership driven by pedophile elites doesn't want you to do, know, or acknowledge. They're afraid of this because they know that they will have lost if they let you get there. There's no possible way, no possible way that they can overcome what is before them. No possible way. I want you to hear this piece. This is right in line with what I'm talking about right here. Here we go. 
Some of y'all think you're fighting people. You're actually fighting the demonic principalities inside of people. I'm trying to help you see in the spirit here that everything you're fighting is not flesh. It's actually spirit. That's why God calls us to pray always without ceasing. Jesus said, I pray that men would pray always. Why? Because you need to see in the spirit. Every time they're trying to find Jesus in the middle of the night, he was up on a mountain somewhere praying, getting direction from God. Why? Because he had flesh on him. And if he was going to do anything, he could not let this flesh move. He could not let this flesh be a part of it. He had to walk with flesh, but he had to walk in the spirit. Some of you all are making decisions based on your flesh. And God is telling you in this season, you need to set your flesh aside. You need to crucify your flesh. Paul said, deny yourself, crucify yourself. Why? Because there's something else going on in the spirit. And God wants to give you the power to do what you need to do. Amen. And he does. And there's no question that he's wanting to do this. This is pouring out this my, my bucket loads lately. The question is, are you reaching for it? That's why I'm pounding this message so much because this war is won if we do the, it quickly. I shouldn't say it's not won at all. It's won quickly. But there is a discussion about how long this duration is going to be. This duration can be 10 years. This duration can be five years. This duration can be 50 years. This duration we're in right now, the transition between the church and the kingdom era could lead on for 400 years. And the difference is gonna be when people finally come to the place of the repentant heart that comes before God as a nation. And once that repentant heart is there and the fires of refinement move through people and that dross and silver is literally separated and the dross is burned off and the silver is then refined, in that metaphor, we step into the greatness of who we are, aligned and in alignment with God. And those powers that we, those things that we talk about, the authorities, which is a better way of saying it, the authorities that we have now take full measure. This is where you get into the miracle healings. This is where you get into the miracle deliverance, the raising the dead, all of this. And it's to deny the flesh and it's to empower the spirit and to step into there and lean into that in a mighty way. And we're here. This is what our purpose is. And you're not going to find that in most churches in the United States. This is why we are fighting an uphill battle when we deal with that sort of conventional thinking and why I just step away from it. Because it's not there. Someone asked me, like, would you go to church? And I said, yeah, I do. Every Sunday morning right here. And the reason I say that is the real church that we're part of here every Sunday morning is the church of healing through prayer. And it's also the church of deliverance. And it's also the church of raising the dead. And it's also the church of speaking the word of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus. We do that every Sunday, but it's active. It's alive. We need to empower that. That's what the remnant does is it steps into the space and it ruthlessly goes after an enemy without fear and it tears it down. And this is, again, why they are so afraid of the Christians. This is why they go after the Christians because we understand it's not mystery. It's not a myth. It is that the miracle God exists and lives within us and, out, and moves through us. And when you start showing people the powers of the living God, the miracle God, you take them away from their matrix and you move them right in alignment with the lockstep and the walk with Jesus. It doesn't take much. And it is a powerful walk when people grab it, just how profound it truly is. And it truly is profound. This is the era in which we live. So 
it is important that we completely grasp what the potential is for us and what we what we face this enemy wants you to believe it is is undefeatable because where they keep your eyes focused is on the material they want you to see that they have greater things than you they have greater toys they have greater technologies they have greater lethality all these things and they try to convince you that there is no way through this they're going to tell you that you're not going to be able to survive without their money, paper money. You're not going to be able to survive without their food, genetically modified, lab-grown garbage. They're going to tell you that the world is going to collapse because it's your fault, not theirs, of course, for building the big industries. And everything that they do is about us being found guilty. Why? I just want to point this out. I keep, I've done this many times, but I want you to really think about what I'm saying here tonight. The deep state's mission on a global level, is to place the guilt of failure on the people, we the people. We are the, we are the responsible parties of why this earth, according to them, is failing. In other words, we are not worthy of living on this earth. Where else do you hear that message? You hear it in our churches. We are not worthy. worthy. Those two messages are running in parallel because those institutions are running in parallel. And this is where the church has been gutted and it has literally no power of voice worthy of these days. And it's so important to grasp that. It's so important to understand truly that we live in a time where they are trying to use the greatest, one of the greatest assets that we have, which is our free will, by the way, and our ability to choose. And that free will is the free will of us determining to follow God, to believe in God, to walk with God. And yet, we choose to tell ourselves that we are the problem. And if you have any doubt about that, look at this current generation. This current generation is telling itself that we are the guilty parties for the global warming crisis couldn't possibly be fake science, couldn't possibly be all the industries that are out here that are pumping out pollution into the sky. No, we are the problem. And the more that they do that, the more that they reinforce, and then they, they would keep reinforcing this message that we are not worthy. That's a message that is taking away from the very essence of who we are. I say this all the time, and I will always stand on this. When someone says we are not worthy, then I simply ask the simple question, then why is it if we were not worthy that God had his only son sacrifice for us to reestablish the authorities that we have here on this earth to bring victory into the earth? Why would he do that if we were not worthy? We are worthy. But this garbage of the church teaches fear, teaches failure, teaches the idea that we are unworthy and the only way through to worthiness is to put money in a coffer and to sit there in a pew and listen to a lecture that they give that they try to teach you about things, but they don't empower you and they don't lift you and they don't send you away with gifts. And that's the power of Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the baptism in fire. And it's the ability to do these things that Christ has asked us to be able to do. I played some of this clip last night. I'm going to play it again tonight. This is the fourth watch. And by the way, it, 
We're going to be having him on the show here really soon. His name is Steven. I'm really looking forward to getting him on the show. I want you to hear this. This is about a seven-minute clip. It's worth hearing. And it really gets to a lot of the things you've heard me say and all the things we're coming together with on what's important right now in this fight. But what I'm trying to say is what's coming here is coming for the rest of the world. And I can tell you that same homelessness, the depravity, the drug use, the vaping, the abuse, the young men that are just out there to defile women, the young women who are out there to just use and abuse men, it is everywhere. The spiritual contagion and component that we helped give the entire world, Second Timothy chapter 3, is now on display in every single country that I've ever been to over the last three years, which leads me to a very almost kind of like inciting statement. I believe that in 1948 when Israel became a nation, started that 70-year clock that puts us kind of like in the end-time situation. I know a bunch of you guys go to Calvary Chapel here with Jack. And so I, I, you, know, you go through the math and you realize, okay, so 2018, 70 years is up. 2018, that, you know, the group of, of, of elite deplorables have their gathering on a pandemic. 2019, it gets rolled out. 2020, the first thing happens in all of the last you know, 1,700 years. All churches worldwide shut down at the exact same time. So we know that the first 6,000 years, right, that's God's timing. The last 1,000 years is, is Christ's millennial reign. So at the end of 6,000 years, the time that Jesus is, you know, influencing the world is called the church age. So the last 1,000 is called the kingdom age. So in 2020, what we saw at a worldwide scale is that the church age ended. And we are now transitioning into the kingdom age. And then what do, what do we see in 2021? The first time there's ever a worldwide challenge and a worldwide solution. There's, there's, a, there's a jab, and if you don't take it or take it, the whole world, every country, every society, everywhere had to make the decision. The Bible refers to that as a system, as an antichrist system. Because once that's on the scene, that's a system that the antichrist kind of maneuvers into, takes advantage of, and so we're there. I don't know how much more you need to see. I'm not saying it's tomorrow, because the transitionary periods of the Bible, Noah was 120 years, Moses was 40 years, Malachi did, John the Baptist was 400 years. How many of you think that we can handle... 40, even 400 years of this. Anyone? Okay, so if it's on display, if it's in the word, show of hands. How many of your pastors are talking about rapture? Like it's on the table. Show of hands. Okay, how many people, how many pastors are talking about remnant? Oh, come on. I don't see, yell it out. If I can't see a hand, yell it out. Anyone? I see one hand in the back that was like a sneaky little hand. What's the remnant? We know that Jesus is here for a thousand years. So that means Christians are here for a thousand years. We know that Revelation 20 says cowards won't enter heaven. So if Jesus died on the cross for our sins and then conquers the grave to restore our power, authority, and dominion so that we can trample all things, have dominion, right? Everything. And your pastor is telling you that you get a hall pass out and you get a hall pass and you get a hall pass and you get a hall pass and everyone gets, everyone gets a hall pass out. You don't even have to think about being here because bye, hall pass, it's hall pass, we're going, let's grab my hand, let's go, let's go see Jesus. Okay, so God sacrifices his only son for us to have power, authority, and dominion to restore what Adam really messed up. And you don't think it's cowardly to just want a rapture out of here? 
So the Bible then says, Babylon falls in, eight, in Revelation 18, 18, 20. It says, cowards don't enter heaven. I just want to ask this question. What do you say to God when you have your exit interview and, and you're like, man, thanks. That was close. I almost had to be persecuted. I almost had to die for my faith. Whoo! That's f- awesome. Man, you th- that the blue beam and the light just like took us up and like everything else. But hey, it's cool though, right? Like we're here. Like where's the gold? Where's the mansions? We're here. Like where's my keys? And he's just staring at you. He put you here on the greatest rescue mission in yard from hell and you're celebrating getting out with a hall pass. And you don't want to be called coward. You don't want to be questioned. Everyone thinks that they're going to be told just because they got out of the rapture, well done, good and faithful servant. Who are we? I mean, outside of liars. How many of you, again, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to address is you're being spoken to about a rapture. Spoken to as if it's the predominant thing to focus on. And what does it do? It disengages you from the very tedious, difficult work of getting your ass kicked by mentioning Christ and possibly being hated and vilified and ultimately decapitated. Why do you think that the saints in heaven cry out for God to render judgment? Because things go sideways. And people are here through it and experience it and are tormented for it. And so I'm not saying that your pastors are setting you up for a fall. I'm just saying you have the opportunity of engaging your faith now on this side of heaven. You're a spiritual being surrounded by spiritual beings calling out to a spiritual God going to a spiritual place. And you don't even know who your spirit is. You don't desire spiritual gifts. How do you even know, as the Bible says, the seal and guarantee of Christianity is the Holy Spirit's mark on you? And you're being spoken to more about the mark of the beast than the mark of God. You have to exchange this tepid, lukewarm version of Christianity for being a full-blown criminal as it relates to Australian police calling you an extremist. So I'm addressing the heart. It's the want. Your pastors are going to say whatever your pastors say. I've already told you, you're the pastor six days a week. So you don't get a pass. Your pastor, no one gets a pass. They will be judged harsher than you will. But you still have to say, God, what is, you know, you'll have to explain your heart posture to God. And if your heart posture is rapture, show of hands. Who, who wants to just lay a hand on someone and heal them instantly? Be pretty cool, right? How many people have sick people in their lives? Cancer riddled people, right? Pastor Mike. How many of you wouldn't just do whatever you could in faith to make sure that guy's healed on the spot? Okay, what, what about dead people that die prematurely? We're kind of seeing a lot of that right now, right? Young kids dying on the field. Young adults, you know, dying. Sads, sudden adult. How many, how, many, how many of you wouldn't want to defy the enemy's plan and bring those people back? Show of hands, anyone want that? So you, you actually want what the Bible has to offer you. What are you willing to do to get that? And there's the question. What are you willing to do? I mean, literally, this whole thing comes down to each of our own choices. And it's a very, very solid place that we have to be, that we have to start facing ourselves truly in the mirror and deciding who we are and who we are in the world. We have to go to the throne and we have to take our misery. We have to take our weight. We have to take our burdens, the things that are upon us, and we have to place it there. And it has to be part of our testimony of who we are in this world because we're going to free ourselves from those things. 
And from there, when we get freed, our sole purpose here is to be that of a rescue mission. And a rescue mission is out here seeking the truth and leading that word of God and using those powers and tools in which we have. And when we do that and we step into the mightiness of what that is, we have the ability to heal the sick. We have the ability to raise the dead. We have the ability to cast out demons. We have the ability to walk in the apostolic and the prophetic. Those aren't just for select people. It's available for everybody. But we have to be refined within ourselves. We have to walk with a repenting and a forgiving heart. And we have to face truth. And part of that truth is looking in the mirror. And when we look in the mirror and we start to see who we truly are in our heart, that's as God sees us. And that's where we bring that to God. And we say, God, this is who I am. He knows your heart. But do we know it well enough to bring it to him? Because that's when the true change happens. That's when the true mightiness of all this happens. And when we go through that transformation and that fire and we start to really face that, that's when we're stepping into a greater anointing than we've ever had. And that's when we step into the fight that we bring, these, the, we bring this rain down upon the enemy. The enemy spends a ton of time every single day in the discipline of their faith. It is, not the, it is a cult. It is a worship of death. It is a cult of death. And we don't spend equal time in this worship of life and the powers and tools. In fact, that's the whole thing is that the churches have become so subverted that people have literally walked away. If you dare say deliverance to some, they push you away like you're some freak. If you say raising the dead, they start laughing at you saying, you can't do that anymore. They believe that there is no longer possible for the miracles to exist within this, within this world, that somehow God has given up on that. We're here to do a mission to free people. And that means the burdens that they carry, the pains that they carry, we're here to cast them out, to heal them, to walk that place, to heal them within. And you can see the pain. You, all you have to do is listen to people. Listen to what they're saying. Their pain will pour out. And the problem is most people don't want to face it. And it's easier to fall back into these places where they want to stay within the matrix where it's safe because they're afraid of what that might happen if they get into that pain. Here's the beautiful thing. Here's the great part about this. Jesus heals all. And yes, it's difficult in a transition from where they are to where they could be free. It's difficult. But this is how we literally save a world. We have several elements that are just completely incredible that each one of us carries. And when we tie it into group, we have the ability to wage war that's unprecedented. One of our greatest strategic weapons is prayer. Prayer together, prayer for individual things, prayer for healing, prayer for things in our lives. But when we start to tie that into prayer against enemy, strongholds and fortresses, we can literally shred them. We start praying against spell casting and, and witchcraft and all this other thing. We can literally literally destroy these things and free people. And it's incredible. Then we have the other tools that we have and we start to work them together and, and apart and individually. And we have the ability to restore people and free them from the chains and clutches of the demonic and the darkness of the world. So as we step into those places and we embrace what God's given us, there is nothing before us that we can't conquer. And the beauty of all of that is it empowers us to understand who we are and why we're here. That's literally walking in the yes. Let's pray. 
Father God, I just want to thank you for this evening and just a reflection, hearing some multiple voices to bring us into a focus of truly who we are and where we're walking. You have blessed us with the authorities to walk in such a space, an incredible space, to be able to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to walk and reach into the apostolic and the prophetic, to spread the word and the gospel of Jesus Christ, to seek the greater works. And all of this, Father, because Jesus was sacrificed for us. You sacrificed your only son for us. We cannot comprehend the magnitude of that gift, but we, we have the obligation to live that gift into this world, to bring kingdom into this world, to quit trying to run away, quit trying to deny our pain, quit trying to put our pain onto other people, quit trying to walk into a world where we try to act like we're something other than who we are. We are the children of the Most High. And as we come to the grips of that and we refine ourselves before the throne, putting our, our burdens of life before you to let them be tr truly burned out through us and we repent in that repenting heart, we know we rise greater in you. It takes the humble walk to do that. So, Father, the prayer tonight is a blessing on everybody to walk with a humble heart and have the courage to come before the throne to repent and to start releasing these things of our lives, to transform into the greater part of who we are. And may that guide each person through this holiday time, this celebration of life. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We have all sorts of great things ahead of us. And I, have, I, I entered this season with a great deal of excitement of knowing where we're going and what we're capable of doing. And this is a time right now when we have to keep our prayers focused and we have to keep our discipline of working with these authorities that we have to improve them every single day. It's not a one-off thing. The sorts of healing that I've been part of in this last year has been profound to me. The miracles that I've witnessed are incredible. The speed at which healings can happen are profound. And I keep wanting, I'm keeping myself on a point of pushing farther and higher. And God keeps opening those doors. The sorts of things I've seen in deliverance of setting people free and what we've been able to do literally within hours or even minutes, things that would take a lifetime of, and, and it would fail, of going to counselors and drugs and everything else. And we can release people from burdens that have carried their whole life and they are transformed, not only transformed physically in their capacities, but even how they look, watching age fall off their face, watching their whole bodies transform. We've seen the living miracles from, even in Bard's Fest if you were there. And we've and the witness the, the pulling back from the dead. I've seen all this. This is not myth. It fires you up to go higher and further, because this is how we win. This is what the enemy doesn't want you to know. And when we walk in that place, and it's there for everyone to grab, this enemy quakes like never before. So keep focused and keep reaching, because it's all there. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.